Welcome back to BDI Resourcing. IMG Advisor, the podcast. The podcast. The podcast. The one and only. Um, series five, episode five, anyone? Yeah, I'll take it. You'll take it, Tom. I'll take it. I'm we made it. by my beautiful assistant, Tom, as always. Thank you. Sidekick in training. Exactly. Um, yeah, Tom, it's uh, today's episode is all about advice for junior doctors, ways to strengthen your application. I think that's quite a nice one to end the series on Uh, Mm -hmm. and as you said at the end I think of the last podcast one that is pretty contemporary given the circumstances so we'll kind of run you through what we feel or what we've been fed back from trusts is is Mm -hmm. a good thing to to enhance your applications and try and give you a better chance because unfortunately definitely what we found with junior doctors is that we can't help everybody and that competition for jobs right now is extremely high uh, mm. as it is in most sectors uh, at the moment yeah um, so kind of tip number one I guess is that if you can start the Royal College examinations and this probably applies to more senior doctors I think I mean I, I know we've kind of jotted it down here for junior doctors to um, get the make the way into the NHS but um, obviously having a Royal College qualification is going to make you stand out from the hundreds, thousands of applicants that have come through the PLAB exam. Mm. Um, Even if you've got one part of it. I mean, yeah. I've been working with some A&E doctors recently who have done the primary uh, part, the FRChem primary uh, exam, mm-hmm. and that puts them at a real advantage compared to the other yeah. doctors applying for A&E jobs. So any parts of any of the Royal College exams that you've done, if you've gone down the PLAB route, particularly as a junior doctor, um, that's obviously the, the only route available to you. Mm. If you can show some willing to to stay in your specialty or you know develop your career within that that area mm. it goes an awful long way yeah. i mean i think i mentioned it on another podcast before but one of our clients one of our first clients was looking for junior doctors in uh, trauma and orthopedics and we, we managed to get four of them and he said very very clearly to us look i, I don't mind if they if they don't have any experience in surgery um but i want to know that they are you know, serious about a career in the field. We don't want to mm-hmm. bring people in who just want to use it as a stepping stone to, to move into something else. And I think yeah. that's that's something a lot of trust to look And for. I guess that is quite difficult, particularly if you are um, I mean, more on more of the junior side and haven't yet really figured out what speciality you want to, to train in or, or, I mean, or which kind of pathway you want to go down in your career. Um, but as Tom said, I mean, in the current climate, where competition for jun- the junior doctor jobs are really, really, is really, really competitive. If you know um, that you want to be a radiologist, for example, or you want to be an acute medicine doctor, then yeah, either take part one FRCR, part one MRCP. Mm. That will definitely make your CV stand out. Yeah, makes our jobs easier as recruiters as well. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, it's our job to work for you guys to uh, to to sell you and and. Um, speak to trust about you and that's a really good thing that mm. uh, sets the benchmark you know a lot of uh, a lot of doctors in NHS you know if they're looking at CVs they don't know what kind of healthcare um, system you work with and they don't know what's involved with the training but they do mm. know what's involved with the Royal College examination because they themselves will have had to sit them at some stage so a uh, really really good way to, to give a good benchmark of your, your clinical skills yeah uh, the next one is, is something very close to their hearts um, <laughs> <laughs> don't send out the same application hundreds and hundreds of times 
Yeah. Um, Alice has actually put a million on our notes for this podcast a yeah. million times because um, people do it and, and I think applying to every single NHS job is disingenuous to other IMGs that are also looking to get into the NHS um, there's only one of you and there might be 500 jobs in NHS jobs you can't go to them all mm. you could try you'd be very busy yeah extremely busy so rather than taking a blanket approach to sending out hundreds of CVs, you really want to do your research into the NHS Trust. You want to tailor your CV to the job application that you're making. Definitely. Des- decide where your specialities and, and skill set lies. And just choose those jobs that match your internship experience or, um, or, or your, kind of your current skill set. Um, but by applying to every single job, it just clogs up the system um, I mean, I know speaking to uh, some HR managers recently that they, they've had 600, 700 applications for one job. They don't have the time, capacity uh, to, to go through every application. So as I said, it's not doing anyone any favours, everybody applying for every job. Mm. And I think it gives sometimes can give the trusts, even at a lower volume, mm. a, a sort of misinterpretation of how interested people are if they've they've got like a junior reg job out and and they get six people applying for it but those six people have all applied for 500 other jobs and none of them have any intention of interviewing that trust they will assume that people are applying for the jobs they want to apply for and not just a little bit of everything yeah. and i think that kind of ties in with the first point which is that if you are going to apply for a job make sure that you're actually interested in it um and because if you're not then the, you, the trust aren't going to be mm. as interested in you in the yeah. same way that you're not interested in and, it and again it's, it's that thing that uh, comes back to isn't it if, if you're applying for a 12 month local appointment for service job with any specialism and you want to use that job to get get into the NHS get to the UK and then switch after 6 months it's just not very fair it's not very fair on IMGs that might have wanted to take that job and would have commit would have um committed for the full 12 months and it's also not fair on the NHS trust that has appointed you for a 12 month period but you have no intention of honouring it so these are just considerations um, because you know but it is really important I think yeah yeah and we see it in volume and I think that's mm. the, the reason that we get to talk so passionately about it is because mm. it's very very common particularly right now so there's nothing worse than opening up a CV for someone who's applied for an emergency medicine job and at the top of the CV it says I, can, I you know I'm very passionate about haematology and I can't wait to continue my career mm. in that field it's, it's not it's the same with any job if, if you haven't researched and haven't looked into it and tailored your approach then mm. you're less likely to get a, an opportunity if you've got quite an impassioned reason for staying in a specialty then That'll uh, will definitely make you stand out. Do you want to take this or shall I? You can take this one, Tom. You're so kind. Uh, <laughs> clinical attachments and observerships. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, it's not going to be... Uh, it's not something that's going to be accessible for everyone. I appreciate that, you know, you've got your own jobs and your own lives and it can be expensive coming over to to, to, to take some unpaid work in a, in a hospital in the UK but that kind of stuff will again make you stand out particularly at a more junior level so uh, if you are uh, shadowing in the UK for even if it's a couple of weeks but you would say a month to three months mm-hmm. is, is the kind of ideal period of time then the trust know that you know what the inside of the NHS looks like so you might not 
uh, you know, you won't have been clinically practicing during that time, mm-hmm. but you have had very, very good opportunities to observe and see and get to know whether or not that's something that you want to work with them. Yeah. Uh, and whilst it's not something that we can help facilitate, uh, I do know that there are some other uh, organisations out there. And I, I think definitely by contacting Trust directly uh, to find out if there are any opportunities for observerships, then um, that's a that's a really, really good thing to have in your CV too. Mm-hmm. And of course, you, you'd be coming on a visit visa uh, to do that as well. Yeah, yeah. So you, there's, mm. there's pretty low cost involved with it. And uh, some mm. trust will put you up as well. Yeah. Um, Okay, an interesting one. This advanced life support courses. Um, so these look really, really good on your CV, um, particularly within kind of acute medicine or emergency medicine um, specialists as well. So ALS, PBLS, AED, ILS, BLS, PLS, impact. If you secure a junior doctor post within NHS hospital, inquire about any relevant courses they may support. Yeah, I think that's a really good one, especially. For the for the work that I've done in emergency medicine, that even if, even if you're a senior doctor, not even just a junior doctor, mm. but if you're a senior doctor who's who's already completed MRKM or FRKM, then having your life support courses at the top of your CV is a really good thing. If you're a lead consultant again in the UK or or someone who's reviewing CVs, and you can see that somebody's got their advanced life support, their paediatric advanced life support, and the basic life support, that is a that's a really really good starting point because they mm. know then that you've got the ability to be safe uh, when you come yeah. in, and they're not going to have to put you on those training courses. I mean, obviously, not everyone's got all those, and it wouldn't. I'm mm. not saying it's a, a huge hindrance, but we're talking about things that will make you stand out compared to others, and that for me is a really important one yeah cause I know I'd say a lot of the adults from the Gulf will have like the American yeah, life American support Society, yeah. I and it, again that's not necessarily recognised by the, the resuscitation council in the UK yeah if you go into the um, UK resuscitation council website they'll have a list of the different providers of BLS, ALS uh, PALS that um, etc that, that they can support and that they recognise as being equivalent um, mm. which is really really handy um, a kind of final tip Tom is um, manage your expectations and preferences um, junior adults post highly competitive particularly at this given time moment in time uh, and therefore one of the best pieces of advice we can give is just to be open with your location and expectations yeah um, a salary for junior adults may be lower a lower location may not be preferable but best uh, best to be open especially as a junior doctor yeah and that I guess that's that's not to say apply for everything so obviously we said no, don't do don't do apply <laughs> don't apply for everything what are you telling me but like Boris Johnson yeah stay at home but don't stay at home yeah apply for all the jobs but, but don't, don't apply for all the jobs apply for so, all the jobs so it's yeah. in keeping with the government in the UK at the moment yeah we're very in tune uh, with the UK guidelines on coronavirus Um yeah, I think the the main point there, if if it wasn't clear enough already, <laughs> is that once you've decided where you want to work in terms of the specialty, uh, if, if we're contacted by somebody who says, look, I'm a junior doctor, I want to do this particular job in this particular location, and these are all my requirements, you immediately think you've immediately pigeonholed yourself. You've got a very very low yeah. level of opportunity unless you are. Particularly outstanding uh, mm. candidate on paper. So my advice is that once you've decided what specialty you want to work in, and you've decided what um, what kind of roles are you looking for, uh, is be open as Ryan said about mm. the location. So whether that's the north of England, the southwest of England, and everything else in the middle, I'd be applying based on job roles rather than locations. And 
I'm going to I'm going to just quickly mention something we've talked about in other podcasts is that locations are usually dictated by either where you know people who are in the UK already or by this strange assumption that the weather in Manchester is significantly different from the weather in Birmingham or London. Mm-hmm. And again, these are locations that are a couple of hours away from each other. If you went 2 hours away from where you live right now, how different will the weather be? I would be confident in saying not that much. Yeah, I think you're, you're probably right. Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of, uh, again, it, it got kind of flipping that other way as well, Tom. It, I mean, in ter- if, you're, if you're really want a more um, more focus on location as opposed to job, and most, I mean, a lot of junior doctors don't necessarily know which kind of pathway they want to take in terms of uh, actual job specialism. Mm-hmm. But instead of applying for every job in every location, Concentrate your search, get in contact with an HR manager or if you've got seen a job online, get in touch with them. Just say, look, I'm open to any opportunities within your trust within four or five different specialisms because I can guarantee you that there will be vacancies there. Yeah, it's a weird thing, isn't it? Yeah. Is that there are definitely junior doctor jobs out there. We, we hmm. you know, Our whole business is based on helping the NHS fill vacancies that mm-hmm. they're unable to fill. And obviously the adverts go up, you can see them, but adverts on the website are only a snapshot of jobs that have been approved at any one mm. point in time it doesn't tell you what others are in the middle of being approved or have just come it's kind of like being in space is it yeah like, <laughs> like starlight like, when you look out in the universe there's a certain snapshot of it billions of years ago yeah such as NHS jobs <laughs> as, yeah NHS jobs is like looking at the stars <laughs> shoot shoot for the stars uh, but it's only a snapshot of what was happening a billion years ago it's not the <laughs> not representative of exactly what's happening and that's where again um, agencies can be helpful Mm -hmm. Uh, the one thing that I would say on that though and in full uh, disclosure is that junior jobs Mm -hmm. I wouldn't for me personally unless an agency has come to you with very specific opportunities or you're very comfortable with them uh, I would be making applications on NHS jobs alongside working through an agency uh, just to give yourself the best opportunities and that's mm. not necessarily something I would suggest for more senior doctors mm. correct oh well so Tom we come to the end is that it? it is yeah, a really short one that one it was we didn't really have any of the sort of introduction preamble no we could talk about cats now we could it's the end of the series maybe we'll switch the mics off and talk about cats yeah okay well it's been an absolute pleasure to be in the studio with you over these last couple of weeks you are uh, off in a different direction very soon mm, what direction London Londres Londres yes uh, very exciting stuff so watch this space mm. we've got exciting BDI news uh, coming soon I guess this will be out in five or six weeks and it'll be it'll be well known anyway but we'll, we'll keep a lid on it but watch this space very exciting times BDI resourcing uh, thank you all for listening if you are still listening we really appreciate it if you've made it this far through our rambling monologues uh, and we hope to see you again for season six indeed okay Tom let's sign off again okay pit pit toodaloo au revoir (laughs) 